verið velkomin í Órigó hlaðvarpið, tæknilega séð. Ég heiti Guðrún Svafa og starfa hjá Órigó. Við hjá Órigó hefur mikinn áhuga á að hlusta á og tala við áhugaverða og fræðandi einstaklinga í tækniheiminum og einnig læra af fólki og deila okkar þekkingu. Þetta hlaðvarp er hluti af því. En hlaðvarpið í dag er einstaklega áhugavert. Alex Moyl tekur hér viðtal við Maju Nights og Sigurjón Hjaltason. Sigurjón er vörustjóri og sérfræðingur í afgreiðslulausnum hjá Órigó og Maja er rétthöfundur og einn helsti áhrifavaldur á sviði verslunar. Þau taka spjallið um framtíð verslunar en Maja verður hjá okkur setna í maj með vefvarp þar sem hún kafar ennþá dýpra ofan í efnið. Vefvarpið verður 20. maj og það ber heitið Omni Channel Retail, vinningsformulan í stafrannum heimi. Skráning á vefvarpið fer fram á heimasíðu Órigó en hlekkurinn á skráningasíðuna verður einnig hér í lýsingu þáttarins. Eftir viðtalið mun ég síðan koma aftur inn með smáveis niðurlag og spjall við Sigurjón. Hann er ekki missa því, en þá skulum við bara vinda okkur í spjallið. Welcome to Technically Speaking, Origo's podcast to help the Icelandic business community navigate digital transformation. I'm your host, Alex Moyle, and today I'm joined by Sugion from our retail team, Maya Knights, one of the world's leading experts in retail and technology. And we're going to be exploring what's happened over the last 12 months, which types of retailers have been the winner, and how retailers can digitally transform themselves to achieve more in the next 12 to 24 months. So without further ado, welcome Maya Knights. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here, Alex and Sigurjön. Thank you for having me, it's great. Fantastic. The first question we always ask our, our guests is, have you ever been to Iceland or do you have a connection to Iceland? Um, I have been to Iceland briefly on a connecting flight, <laughs> but I saw your wonderful airport at an ungodly hour of the morning about two or three years ago. I would love to visit. I would absolutely love to visit. It looks like an amazing country. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased to be here to learn a bit more about the retail landscape from you as well, Sigurjans. So thank you for, for that opportunity. But um, from what little I saw in the dawn light as I got off a, a, a connecting bus on, on the air, airport tarmac, um, yeah, I really want to, would like to come and spend some time there. Sigurjans, uh, when Maya does come to Iceland, where would you recommend she goes first? I would recommend the south coast, where you can see the nature, which is the main attraction in Iceland. But we also have a, a brand new attraction. We have a volcano eruption in the peninsula of Reykjanes. So that is actually very convenient to tourists to see, and it is spectacular. I have taken the hike, as many Icelanders have done, and it is absolutely breathtaking. And you can get pretty close from the images I've seen. Is that, is that right? Yeah, close for comfort. If you're, this is, uh, yeah, very hot, naturally. So yeah. you can do stand in like 60 meters away. You can really feel the heat and only the bravest ones go to very close. And I don't think that's very wise. Yeah, I was going to say brave could also be another word for stupid, unless you're wearing the right kit. So Maya, obviously you're here as a, as, a, as a retail expert. Can you just give us a little bit of an overview of how you came to be 
one of the leaders in digital retail, writing books about Amazon and, and omni-channel uh, retail. Yeah, well, I've been doing this for about 22, 23 years. Ooh. I started off as a reporter um, on Computing Magazine in the UK um, and then went on to edit a magazine called Retail Technology for almost a decade um, that I went on to actually uh, now publish and own. When I went back to full-time employment after sort of working for myself for a while, uh, I found that my um, opinion was more valued than my editorial impartiality. So I ended up becoming an analyst and a uh, research analyst at IDC, um, looking at customer experience in their retail insights division. Um, but working for a tech market research firm was a bit frustrating when I wanted to know what retailers were actually doing. So I worked for a uh, retail market research firm where I was global tech research director and that's where I met my colleague um, that I co-authored Amazon with um, which came out a couple of years ago and then hot off the heels of that I was um, engaged by former deputy CEO of Tesco's to write his semi-autobiographical book about loyalty and retail and that's the one that you referenced omnichannel retail so I wrote that with Tim Mason and worked with his company for about three years called Eagle Eyes a digital loyalty software provider and that brings us really up to date now I'm in the midst of writing a second edition of Amazon working with lots and lots of different companies um, specifically one that works with mobile apps native mobile apps it's very exciting called POC um, but yeah helping lots and lots of other companies out and keeping me really really busy so all in all always written about the intersection of technology with retail with that sort of consumer um, angle to it. Fantastic and what I love is the fact that you've looked at part of your career from the customer's perspective and part of your career from the technology provider's perspective. Uh, and it always strikes me as weird when some of those in those sectors don't talk to each other. So I guess that gives you a, a unique insight. Well, it's funny you should say that. The most valuable lesson I ever learned right back in uh, the beginning of my days at computing was speaking to a CIO who said to me, I don't really want to know what it does. I have people that know what it does. I just want to know what it does for my business or what it's going to do for my business, as in what the technology is going to do. You know, that's uh, something that has always stood me in good stead and I often have to make sure I'm putting two hats on and that is the, the end user, the enterprise, and then the end customer. Um, you have to be able to see the technology solution that, um, from that perspective in terms of the problems that it's looking to solve for both the, the enterprise, the, the retailer and, and the customer at the end of it. So Sigion, that must be a snapshot of your life as well. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I have been in the technology field coming from the hardware and software for the last, uh, yeah, too many years, maybe since 2008. So uh, I feel Maya's enthusiasm uh, I have I share that with her. I've been to the States several times to the NRF and uh, looking into the future ahead. And I'm always excited to see what technology and software can bring to customers and how to kind of ease their world, make it easier to shop and uh, stay afloat. To bring uh, Maya up to speed, tell us a little bit about what's happened to the retail industry in Iceland over the last 12 months. Uh, we have seen, of course, a big disruption in the community due to the COVID pandemic. But uh, it has been very clear to us who are sitting on the sidelines is that those companies who had 
previously invested in technology, software and, and hardware, they came up on top because they had the ease and the ability to uh, work with the pandemic and change. And you needed to change really quickly. So the not only the the purchasing part, but the last mile is also a, a huge factor in this thing. And, and Maya, what have you noticed about the the retail market and how it's changed in the last twelve months? Well, I think if you if you want to look at some hard and fast facts, um, consensus estimates amongst analysts are saying e-com globally has increased there or thereabouts thirty percent year on year, 28 point something, 2%. Um, yet global retail in um, 2020 declined 3%. So there's definitely been a huge shift, pandemic-induced shift to online. And, and to Sigur's point about last mile and uh, and e-commerce, um, those that were already doing well in that arena with those channels have really run away with it have really become become the winners um if uh, if you can say that there are winners and losers out of such you know disruption and turmoil as we've had over the last few few months um yes those that are digitally enabled and data driven and have used the technology to facilitate um the customer journey um, have been there to meet that demand when when it's been induced, as I said, by by current events. Do you think customer cha- behaviour has changed forever? I don't think customer behaviour has changed forever. I don't think. It, I think to urge a, a, a note of caution. I don't think you can ever say anything changes very very rapidly. That's one of the things I learned very early. Is- <laughs> as an analyst they change faster in your head than than they do in reality um there are some certain things that are are going to stick i think you know we're going to see on levels of online demand level back out but not back to the levels that that were before i think we're still going to see an increased demand online but um stores really have to step up to meet the mark on that um, and make sure that their purpose um, is clear and the role that they play in facilitating a profitable right. um, omni-channel journey for customers is, is, is clear as well. I think, you know, take grocery, for example, just quickly, final point, give you an example. I think customers have realised that they don't need to buy the non-perishable bulky household items themselves they don't need to go to the store and struggle with a trolley things like you know large bulky items like toilet paper and so on can be delivered to their door but they'll still go in for the top-up shopping for their fresh to choose the things that are important to them that they don't like being substituted so okay yeah lots of things that are going to stay the same but i think what we're seeing is acceleration of what was already there indeed and sigion from the clients that you speak to what behavior change have they seen in their customers over the last 12 months um, we have seen, and we can feel it also in our web shop, that uh, online shopping has gone up tremendously, as, as Maya said. And, uh, but still, we see that people um, maybe go online and we can see people uh, utilize online shopping in the way to window shopping, 
a little bit. So still we see 65% of people coming into the brick and mortar and, and finalize their deals. So it is absolutely impeditable. It is necessary for people to have uh, online presence and a top service mm -hmm. in order to have the full omnichannel experience. And in your experience, you, you, you were telling me from previous conversations that Icelanders love their cars. So it's not always about click and deliver. It's about click and collect. That is a, a kind of a new trend because uh, we are kind of, we don't want to be sitting around in our house waiting for delivery. We choose to be up and about and everything is in a short distance way. So we, we tend to have the privilege of picking things up and we can see that from our customers in, in Odigo that uh, over 60% of customers choose to come and pick up stuff. Maya, when a lot of companies have moved towards click and collect as their shops are closed, what challenges from what you see do businesses face when they move to click and collect as opposed to a purely digital sale and delivery mechanism? I think it goes to the heart of the meaning of omni-channel in the sense that if you're servicing an online channel, an online-only channel through online-only logistic and warehousing capabilities, you can keep that separate from your stores. But the minute you start to mix the online inventory that you're selling with the store inventory, just layers of complication come involved. I mean, I think every retailer's had to answer the question, do I pick my click and collect or curbside um, collections from my store inventory or do I ship them with my um, store replenishment inventory? And, and each one requires a, a huge level of sophistication in terms of the orchestration across the, ch the channels, um, both from an order perspective uh, for fulfillment, as well as from a sales perspective and a customer perspective, getting it to them, getting the right parcel to the right customer and making sure that on-shelf availability isn't compromised as a result. So there's lots and lots to, to consider. My, my one suggestion would be that from an omni-channel perspective, retailers really need to have uh, that single view um, as near real-time as possible um, of inventory as well as of orders and of customers to, in order to, to orchestrate that profitably. Uh, I tend to uh, wonder a little bit about the loyalty in Iceland. Um, compared to the US and maybe UK and the rest of the world, loyalty and loyalty apps and such solutions have um, succeeded. But loyalty is not that big here in Iceland. We, we, we are not using it. So uh, how would you guide us, Maya, in going forward in that? How, could, how can we teach the market to be using the loyalty apps? Well, I think that's a really interesting question. I think loyalty has to be pervasive throughout any retail organization. If you learn, from, for example, from Amazon, who's famously customer-obsessed, um, running your business to better serve your customers, running your business better, more efficiently, more productively, it has to be the bottom line, especially coming out of the pandemic, but doing so in a way that also makes sure that it serves your customer, your best customer, um, 
in the best possible way, makes the, the most attractive total retail offering, has to be part of the DNA, especially when sustainability and having a purpose um, are, are so important as well. I think retailers have become so much more during the pandemic in that sense. They've become, uh, to your point, Sigurdian, about window shopping, they're looking for community, they're looking for inspiration, they're looking for um, information, transparency about the information that they're being given as well. So there's many ways um, every single facet of a retail organisation can pursue loyalty in that sense. Um, learning from the early days of Tesco Clubcard, for example, they implemented the club card loyalty scheme to thank their customers and they actually found that when they thanked their customers customers were happy to let Tesco know more about them and actually open their wallets even wider to Tesco's um, so I think offering some value as well is going to be absolutely important but the final thing I'll say is that Interestingly, in the 25 years since Amazon was established and Clubcard was launched in the same year, um, we've seen loyalty become diluted in the points-making prizes sense, um, whereas we've seen the likes of Amazon with its Prime subscription become almost like a proxy for loyalty. So I think what that shows us is that consumers are looking for value in many different ways nowadays and that there are many different um, mechanisms that retailers can use to demonstrate that value it needn't be a loyalty scheme but for example to your point about having an app um, for the most frequent best most valuable most loyal customers that connect seamlessly to the store as well as the online offering that gives them perks when they come into the store that makes the store experience even better that could be seen as a, a form of loyalty I guess because I've never met any company that says we don't care about customers. So everyone says they care about customers. Well, what technological investments are retailers making to nurture that, that loyalty? Well, I think, first of all, they have to listen to the customer and the customer's actually opening themselves up so much more by interacting and engaging with retailers digitally. They leave digital programs. They, in fact, they tell you a huge amount when they when they buy with you online. They're telling you where they where they buy, you know, what kind of payment instruments they're using, what time, time apart from what time of day they're browsing, what browser they're using, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things can be used to infer not just um, what they're looking for, but intent in real time. And I think retailers need to look at technologies that can help them um, measure and manage that and respond to that in real time, both um, digitally. Um, I think the best way of doing that is through mobile because uh, you have all the native functionality of mobile beyond the desktop um, that can take advantage of place and time. Um, as well as their activity there, there in the moment, but also, you know, how that overlays with the store. Um, and, and, and once you know whether your customer is looking for a really bespoke, personalised experience versus a really quick, convenient, speedy experience, you can start to right-size the technology investments, both online and in-store, to the customer journey. So I don't want to be too prescriptive, but I would say in grocery, you need to be looking at wayfinding. You need to be looking at geolocation for me when I'm doing click and collect. Don't have me sit in the car park for 20 minutes waiting for my collection. But if you're looking at fashion, you know, maybe give me some AR fitting online give me the opportunity to book an appointment for a personal um, a personal uh, consultation in the store um, help me 
see when the store is busy and when it's not busy, um, offer me incentives when I'm in the store or incentives to go into the store, which is an extension of Sigun's point about loyalty. There are so many things that, that retailers can be doing. I, I, I don't know if I've named technologies there, but I've certainly named use cases that a lot of technologies that are already out there can be used um, and applied. Uh, you know, the application of can be used to, to improve the customer experience. Yes, I agree totally with you, Maya. And uh, the information age is a door which swings both ways. There's more data available to customers, but this means more there's more available about them too. I kind of wonder sometimes how many retailers collect the data or use the data that they can collect from customer experience? Uh, great question. I think every retailer collects data. I don't know if it tallies with your experience, but oftentimes they'll complain that they're drowning in data, but they don't, that they don't know what to do with it. And I think to your points and questions um, about loyalty and about being customer-centric, that's a good place to start in terms of making use of the data, unpicking it um, for those uh, patterns and um, inferences of intent, as I talked about, from you know a broad perspective in terms of large segments, right down to really, really analysing the behaviours of your best customers, because those are the ones that you really want to convert the rest <laughs> into. And it also will help you um, reduce the cost of going out and finding more like those in terms of the cost of acquisition as well. And Sigion, what sort of projects has Arico been involved with helping customers make more of data? Because I guess that is the blend between the hardware and the software side of things. Yeah, it is uh, more or less everything about uh, self-service today and how you can uh, do your th shopping more easy, both in uh, the online world and in the brick and mortar. And for instance, as Maya mentioned, the uh, geolocation, uh, we are working with uh, electronic shelf labeling who offer geolocation. So you can actually walk into the store and ask, okay, where is this uh, spice that I'm looking for? My wife has asked me to buy the spice. I have no idea where it is. I can punch in that name and, and the geolocation will guide me to the right shelf in the store. So all of these small things can help us in the daily life. No! You're telling me I won't have to walk down 15 aisles trying to find the one thing that I need because last week it was there, but now they've moved it to a different part of the store because they've moved the gluten-free stuff, the gluten-free pasta, not next to the pasta, but to the special gluten-free section. Exactly. Which now means I can't find my way around. You mean I'm not going to be able to do that anymore? <laughs> this is the beauty of technology. It is going to help you. What am I going to do with those steps that I lose? I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would suggest that to, to, that's a great example because it almost makes the store as um, sensory as, as a website in terms of being able to monitor my clickstream data, where I go, how long I hover, what I put in my basket, what I'm looking at. If you're making the store that kind of the ability to sense and respond to customers' requirements – you're getting that data back in return, which I think would be even more valuable than your average heat map or, you know, yeah. people counting system. I am I'm specifically interested in frictionless shopping and uh, both in the, in the ways of uh, self-scanning 
and scanning directly into your basket or even frictionless shopping when you do your um, um, checkout with the uh, self-checkout machines that AI will be integrated into that and uh, both for security and for uh, pro tools recognition, etc. So I think that will heighten the experience of going shopping. Yes, I'd add that if, if you are in a high volume, low item value sector like grocery, uh, one thing that has changed is that low and no touch safety element of shopping has become much, much higher in, in terms of priorities for consumers. So they are more willing to self-serve. They are more willing to use their own digital mobile devices. Um, I think I would just say, look at what, you know, the just walk out example, which is the apex example of self-serve technology is doing for Amazon with its go and fresh grocery store rollouts and, and its carts as well. So you will literally just pick the product up off the shelf and pop it in the basket and that, that sort of computer vision AI powered um, technology instantly analyzes what it is as it goes into the basket and calculates the, the bill. So you can literally just put it in your bag and walk out. You don't have to bag scan and pay for it all yourself nowadays as you do in, in sort of more traditional supermarkets. So, yeah, the, the, the possibilities are endless. It's, it's, it's great to see it happening. Do you have any, com do you have any companies in, in Iceland, uh, Sigion, who are using that technology to sort of basically be able to price the basket as it goes into the basket or to uh, speed the checkout process? I would love to see that here in Iceland, because if we look at this solution from a regional perspective, we can see that in Scandinavia, self-scanning has been around for a couple of years now and uh, is very well received. People like it, but still in Iceland, it is only now uh, being presented to the market. And uh, currently, it's only being presented in one grocery store, and it is presented by your bring-your-own-device and uh, I think that is an option. I don't think it's for large baskets. I think it's for the smaller baskets. But I would really like to see some retailer here in Iceland come come out and, and use the uh, scan with your provided device from the retailer because it, it helps you. It gives you the opportunity to have your your purchasing list in the uh, in the handheld and you can see okay what did i buy last time what is in my inventory uh, what are the offers of the day and uh, etc so it's it's going to help you a lot maya in in your experience when businesses are looking to invest in technology and, and making more of rfid and geolocation it's all what are some of the challenges businesses have to overcome in order to implement those technologies I think there's uh, an inter internal challenge as regards will plus the skill, um, being able to align business, the business strategy um, and the exec and board level support for technology, innovation and investment, um, and then finding the skill to go out and execute on that strategy. Um, and then I think that with all the data and information that consumers are sharing uh, with retailers at the moment, retailers beholden on retailers to really use that to try and understand how technology can improve that journey rather than choosing a technology and thinking it would be a magic bullet or a silver bullet. I remember 
retailers asking me, you know, but if I just do Apple Pay, will that be enough? <laughs> well, is that what your customers want? Is what I would kind of ask. That's that's what I mean about understanding the application before choosing the technology. I think one of the challenges, though, for a lot of businesses is when, especially when you look at loyalty and delight, it's so intangible. And going, if I'm a CTO, going to the board and going, could I have a couple of million kroner to do X? And they go, will it make me more money? And you go, well, I think the customer's going to like it. What, what's, what's your advice to, uh, to both of you? What, what, what experiences have you had and how CTOs have made that business case when actually the, the awareness of what difference it makes might be limited? Well, if, you, if, you, if I would try to answer that question... I think you have to look at the whole chain. I think you have to think of the experience all the way from purchasing to delivery. If you're only going to fix one thing on, in the journey, uh, you're going to miss on something else. So absolutely look at the whole thing as a journey, as a customer journey. Yeah, I mean, I'd add a really good build on that would be look at the way Amazon does it. How did Amazon design Prime within, I think, 80 days? it sat down and it wrote the press release. It said, we can offer you this. And the art of the possible was something that everybody in the company called on to work on that project could buy into because the outcome was completely clear. Um, writing the press release as, as opposed to costing it is another, another thing entirely. And not every retailer has pockets as deep as Amazon. But I think that from a strategic perspective is builds on yeah. but from amazon's perspective they didn't know prime was going to make people more loyal that so they, they didn't they didn't know at the time that prime was going to make existing customers even more profitable than they were at the moment i think they did i think they could see that this product was aimed this service rather was aimed at those who were high frequency purchasers and they could run the numbers as to how much they'd save if those high frequency purchase purchasers actually invested the delivery costs with them up front every year i mean it, when it came it was it was an absolute revolution to retail in that sense so, so I, I like so another example that would be uk based in terms of aspiration next which is one of our big sort of clothing retailers in the uk had this thing order by 10 delivered by 10 and when i saw that i just thought someone in the board meeting made that up and then they went to everybody else in the business and went, this is what they're doing. And you could see the look of just their minds exploding of how are we going to connect the website to the distribution centre to actually getting it into someone's door in 12 hours. Uh, but I guess it's that sort of goal that an organisation needs to, 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 to motivate themselves to make that change. Yes, it's bold and it, it, it leads to differentiation in an area that Next felt it needed to, to, to win, which is, you know, fulfilment, speed of fulfilment and delivery. And I guess in today's world, it's like order and we'll have it to you in 20 minutes. You know, I think in the UK, some of the Amazons are like they're saying, we'll get it to you within half an hour if you buy something. And that's just mind blowing. I think what we're seeing in the States and in the UK as well, which is the... the I think there's one called Another, I'm not sure, in the States, and it promises to undercut Instacart and get you your groceries in 20 minutes. Wow. Sigjon, have you, have you got any examples of Icelandic companies that have set 
ambitious goals to make a step change in how they deliver to a customer using an omni-channel or, or a digital delivery format? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a company here in Iceland called uh, Heimkup, which is an online company only, more or less. And they have bold statements about the delivery and they have uh, absolutely managed to uh, fulfill that. And uh, when the pandemic hit, they came out of, yeah, they truly came to their element and, and people preferred shopping there. So the traditional brick and mortars, they, they were kind of struggling because they didn't have the, the ability to cope with uh, such mechanism at that time point. But talking about uh, time points and how the evolvement of technology is uh, rolling out in, in regions, I have been following RFID for a couple of years, and I can see that the states are picking up on, on RFID and uh, Asia, but uh, the European market uh, is lacking behind. Uh, what do you think is the reason for that, Maya? Um, I've... I've heard RFID called um, a technology look solution looking for a problem to solve for the last 15 years. I was there when M&S, I think, Marks and Spencers in the UK, 15, 18 years ago, was the first retailer to do pallet level RFID um, tracking. Um, so in the big retailers, there is a certain amount of penetration in some of the more mature, digitally mature omnichannel markets um i i think you know you could ask the same question of electronic shelf labeling why hasn't that taken off as as it should have should have done in terms of productivity savings and efficiencies um i think it's uh, retailers would tell you that it's that they feel that it only works at a certain scale it only works for certain types of products and it tends and and I don't think anyone's cracked the item level RFID question in terms of how to make that work except potentially in really high value goods um, like uh, health and beauty like medicines I've seen some interesting RFID tagging that you can get for those types of products in places like pharmacies, perfumeries, um, that make it worth their while having those kinds of track, that, that element of tracking, because then you're actually embedding the loss prevention capability into it as well in the store. So that brings the, 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 the ROI of it within you know, re reason within reach for some retailers, but it is still incredibly expensive, and so I think it's seen as quite still quite niche for for very large scale retailers at pallet level. What what role do you think RFID plays when you've got companies trying to have an omni channel experience? Would something like RFID help organisations be able to sell stock based in shops because they know what's in the shops because they they can sense what's in the shops as opposed to thinking they've got it in stock. Absolutely. I've never doubted the capability of RFID to create, to enable 360-degree view of your inventory in real time, fully accurate, to be able to track right down to item level where every single piece of your inventory is at every moment of time. And it's, that's kind of like a holy grail to retailers that they would love to be able to achieve. Um, 
And I think in certain use cases, we've seen it done really, really well. I think, um, you know, the um, Inditex group, which is totally vertically integrated, uses RFID from end to end. And we've seen them reap the benefits of that, um, both online and in their stores with their hugely fast turnover of ranges and merchandise. They've really been able to make a differentiator out of that technology capability. I think what we need to draw out of it for those retailers that are RFID shy is they've been able to gain the benefit of that single real-time accurate view of inventory and however you use the technologies available to do that that should be the ultimate aim yeah i agree a little bit with uh, maya on this however i have been following up on this topic for for a period of time and i can see that the the software has developed hugely and the, the cost of the rfid tag has come down and the the large um, retailers in uh, fashion have now implemented tanking all the way from factory so we can see companies like levi's and adidas and uh, those they are already installing this at the factory uh, we have also a very interesting case which is not basically a retail case but however rfid technology is being used now to um, work with hotels and uh, hospitals etc to monitor the inventory of uh, bathrobes and towels and uh, scrubs etc so what is going from the hotel and back at, back and forth and uh, absolutely giving the um, the users full scope of where is my stuff how much stuff do i have and uh, that solves the big issue of what did i deliver and what did i get back uh, So, so my, I, I think the, what I think the opportunity from the pandemic has been is that, and that the fast speeding up of the transition to omnichannel is I'm seeing previously small retailers developing a very big online presence. Would technology like RFID enable you to have less stock, but still deliver to the to the customers that you that you're getting? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I'll, I'll restate, I think RFID in and of itself is a fantastic technology. When, you know, when I first started looking at it a while ago, uh, thinking about the example Sigurd uh, shared, I would think about how amazingly useful it's been in the um, transportation industry, in airlines, you know, from a compliance perspective, being able to track which parts have been serviced when, have been swapped out when. They've been doing this for over a decade in, in, in the aviation industry using RFID like this. I actually think retailers, what we're talking about is the disconnect that retailers have from technology, and that's the issue that we're dealing with here. Um, and, and retailers really need to understand, as you as you rightly say, Alex, that there is a huge opportunity there for them to use the technology that's already available to them and harness it and integrate it with their increased digital presence to increase their agility and their ability to orchestrate across channels in a much more profitable way.
if I'm a retailer that sells multi-product or multi-brands, knowing that I've got stock coming from Adidas, like the automation of that stock management from suppliers that are using RFID and, and those types of technologies, I don't need, I need, just need less people tagging stuff in my warehouse. I need less people in the store tracking stock or, or labeling things because it's already done by the people I buy from as opposed to having to be done by me. I think there's two points you make there that, that are important. It, it's part of becoming a retailer of choice to these suppliers to be able to show that you have this capability to, to make the most of these technology investments that, that, they're, that, that they're using to become more efficient, using that to make your business more efficient and redeploying the people that were traditionally um, focused on quite manually intensive but repetitive tasks to become your best brand advocates, to do more profitable things in your business, both front of house and in the warehouse. Uh, Maya, it, retail is interesting all the way, back and forth, technology, and in the end, people is going to use the technology. How do we get uh, the the staff at the store to embrace and love technology to help our customers? It's a great question, Sigurjian. Thank you. I think it builds on what I've always said is it should be people, process, and technology in that order. Um the whole discussion we've had has talked about efficiency and productivity. And if you're actually making the jobs, the tasks that you're asking your store staff to do easier. Um, I remember one of the first applications of RFID in the UK at Marks and Spencers was on suits. Um, which when you think about the variety of sizes and the fact that you've got two or three pieces that go to make up a complete garment, when they were offered the RFID scanning wands for a stock take, instead of having to literally take each suit off the peg and open it out and look at the label to check what it was or scan the barcode on the label, they were absolutely delighted to use the technology once they were shown that the benefits um, were not just at head office, but were actually with them as well. And I think twofold with that, you need to then make sure that if you're saving your, showing that you're, start, you're saving your staff time and making them more efficient, you need to give them higher value jobs to do in their, in their stead. So, you know, being able to uh, digitally enable your staff so that they can serve customers with as much information as customers are already coming in with, armed with their own mobile phones, for example. So using, I've seen a real uptick in clienteling systems and the use of mobile devices in the hands of staff. So we're, we're, we're taking away the barcode and barcode scanning gun and the, um, the label printing, uh, the belt printer that goes on the on, on the belt for labels and we're giving them mobile devices so that they can check out in aisle so that they can help a customer with it more information about a product that they can save the sale by having online inventory delivered to their home if it's not available in store we're making their jobs so much more um valuable um, and, and moving away from that kind of seasonal, quite low-skilled view of retail work. Well, if you, think, if you think about it, the two questions that retailers are most often asked or someone on the shop floor is, do you have it in stock and where is it? 
right? And, and you've, if you've got a handheld that goes, I can tell you whether it's in stock and then I can take you to it. Especially, I guess, in today's world, there's that information asymmetry where your customer probably knows more about that product than you do before because they've researched that product before they go into the store. To enable your staff to give them what they want quicker is only going to help customer loyalty. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that we are doing here in, in Iceland, of course, are just implementing what the electronic shelf label has offered us is uh, the use of QR code. So when you're standing in front of the shelf and you want the deeper information about the product, you bring out your phone, you scan the QR code, which will, will immediately drop you off to our homepage. And in the homepage, you have deeper information, and then you even have stock levels in the online store, and uh, is it available somewhere else also? So all of this technology is, uh, in the end, use it, and uh, that's going to help you. The last topic of, of conversation I want to, to talk about is complaints and returns. And, and I'm going to give you an example just from last night. So you'd imagine Amazon being rubbish at returns, right? I bought something in January. I went to Amazon and they went, you can't return it because you're past your period, I think. I clicked on a link and it said, how do you want to talk to us? I said, call me. 15 seconds later, I was speaking to a human being that was able to deal with my return. What are you observing in terms of technologies or approaches businesses are handling returns? Because for me personally, that is where loyalty starts and ends is how you deal with me when things go wrong, not when things go right. Yes, I think working backwards through your, through your question, research has shown that customers will take 50% of their total opinion of a retailer, they will base 50% of their total opinion on their last transaction, how their last transaction with a retailer um, went. So if it ends in a return and that return is painful, then absolutely it's it's going to be uh, a, a you know a, a bad thing for your customer experience um, you, scores. Um, returns retailers are, are notoriously bad at them. I think you, you, your opening gambit was you'd think that Amazon would be terrible, and actually no, I think Amazon's done so well because it is actually so good at it. You can actually but think of the scale, the scale, the complexity, but yet they make it work. But this is why. This is why when you call them and you say, "Oh, these aren't the right batteries," they'll be able to tell the. The, the, the customer service representative to say, do you know what, just keep them because it costs them more to, to have them return to come and collect them from you. But I've heard um, rumours that Amazon's looking to revolutionise the returns uh, process by bringing you the packaging and taking your returns away um, at the same time that they deliver your goods, which would be Simple but revolutionary. Hey, you know, just thinking about it. They were like, literally, this, this was a £10 headset for a scooter. It's like, it's not even expensive. And they were like, would you like us to pick it up for you? Well, if they can pick it up as they're delivering stuff, you can understand how the reverse logistics built into the last mile logistics could actually start to turn the dial on what is in incredibly inefficient, unsustainable process at the moment in returns, particularly as consumers are becoming more and more environmentally conscious. Um, you know, you've seen 
retailers say, would you like to nominate a delivery day? But I think it has to go back to what we've discussed already, which is designing a total offer to elicit and incentivize the behavior you seek. So for fashion retailers, for example, a big bugbear of mine is why don't you make it easier for me to buy just one, one size in the knowledge that it will fit me rather than having to buy three of the same item in three different sizes and ship two back. I think there you've got augmented reality starting to, to really make inroads. Um, uh, the Nike augmented reality fitting app has been hugely successful. IKEA has done the same thing with furniture. Um, consumers are willing to use these things. I think you've got to look at the returns process, the reverse logistics process in the round. Look at why returns are happening in the first in the first place, but also then look at how the returns process can be made more efficient as well. This is fantastic. We could go all day. But I think we've probably got time for one last question. And, and obviously, we want to keep some of your powder dry for your webinar in a few weeks' time. So, uh, Sigion, what, what question have you got? Last question have you got for, for Maya? Oh, it's a kind of a, not a tricky question, but um, I can see that in, uh, in the States, Walmart is uh, testing out cruise self-driving electric vehicles to make deliveries. Are they here to stay or is it just a bubble? Um, we've talked a lot about the last mile. We've talked a lot about logistics. And I think uh, autonomous vehicles are just one area of ongoing research for retailers to try and bring these costs down. Um, you could kind of put them in the same category as drones, but then Amazon's got its FAA approval to start flying test drones in the States, just as we've seen um, uh, the likes of Walmart in um, America and a number of different retailers in Europe test these um, these autonomous delivery vehicles as well. Um, I, I do believe that we are likely to see them on our streets more and more, but I think um, it's going to be a very slow progression. Um, I think we're going to see, just as, just as we're seeing more and more of our delivery vehicles go electric and the pace at which that hopefully increases, we'll see the same kind of thing happen with autonomous vehicles. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the technology ahead of us is uh, fast pace and things are changing. And uh, kind of what you said earlier in our chat today, uh, it, it changes faster in our mind than it actually does on the streets. So sometimes I'm frustrated it doesn't come quicker, but that's kind of how things are going at the time. So I thank you very much for a very interesting chat today. Uh, would would be lovely to meet you in person, but that's a luxury that we can't have. So, and Alex, uh, very nice to have you as a, a mediator in this chat. Thank you very much as well for, for coming on and sharing your, your expertise and uh, Maya. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the webinar. In the show notes below, uh, there is a link where you can sign up for the webinar. And uh, Maya, do you want to just share where people can get hold of you or connect with you? Because obviously you have expertise that people would like to follow and, and learn from more than just in our webinar. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Sigurion. Um, yeah, they can look me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, and you've mentioned the books, Amazon and Omnichannel Retail. So, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity. It's been great speaking with you today. Thank you. Thank you very much, both of you.
Heyrðu, sæll Sigurjón, velkomin til baka í Hlaðvarpstúdjóið og takk kjærlega fyrir mjög skemmtlætt spjall. Um, þetta var eiginlega bara ótrúlega áhugavert, þið fóru alveg um víðanvöll, alveg frá því að tala um tæknimálin, tala um virði til viðskiptavina en einnig til fyrirtæki á verslana. Þeir rætta líka um áhrif COVID, breytingar í neytindahöðun og ég bara eiginlega veit ekki hvað þið getið spjallaði meira. En veist, þú kannski veist aðeins betur, er eitthvað svona sem að þér finnst þið hefði getað farið dýbra í eða hvað, hvernig var eiginlega að tala við Mæju? Uh, mjög gaman að spjalla við hana, hún er náttúrulega sérfræðingur á sínu síði og búin að vera í þessu og, og kamóni þetta frá í hinum ímsu hlöðum, bæði þessi blaðamaður og sem sérfræðingur. En uh, það staldraði hans við í mínum huga í raunumveru hversu það var spott on að tæknin hefur ótrúlega oft verið lengi að koma inn á íslensku markaði. Mm-hmm. Ef við veldum því fyrir okkur að við byrjuðum til dæmis með tilraunir í við sjálfsafgreðslu árið 2006. Síðan lá það í láginni bara í mörg, mörg, mörg ár áður en það komst þíðan full innleðing á það 2018-2018 en oft ótrúlega langur meldingartími hjá íslenskum fyrirtækjum að taka upp tækni. Já, einmitt. Og þið tölu aðeins um þetta líka í podcastinu að Maja myndist á svona að hlutinni breytast oft hraðar í hugamanns heldur en að gerast í raun og veru. Af hverju erum við ekki fljótara innleða svona flottar tæknilegstir? Við erum vana föst í eðli okkar. Já. Ég held að það sé kannski ein skýringin. Þetta hefur alltaf virkað og stundum er erfitt að sjá alveg fram og veginn hver verður return on investment í þessu svo ég sletti aðeins. En hins vegar sannast það alveg svart á hvítu bæði hjá fyrirtækjum erlendis og hérna heima. Þeir sem hafa fjárfest í tækni og hugbúnaði og þróin, þeir standa framar. Já, ég mitt heyri á þér búin að vera lengi í þessum bransa og vorum einmitt að tala um það áðan áður en við byrjaðum að taka upp. En ég er sérst bara búin að vera hérna örstutt, ég er bara algjör kjúklingur hérna í Origo en ég er búin að vera hérna í nokkra mánuði en við erum alltaf að sjá eitthvað nýtt. Ég sé eitthvað nýtt okkur um einasta degi, ég er alltaf að tala við fólk sem er að vinna áhugaverðum og spennandi lausnum. Ég er alltaf að læra eitthvað nýtt. Geturðu kannski sagt mér aðeins betur frá ykkar vinnu í Já, þetta er virkilega góða tvöðsemd hjá þér. Ég viðurkenni það, ég er búin að vera einna lengi, en það er af því að það er svo gaman að vinna með tækni og hugbúnaður og vélbúnaður spilar alltaf saman í því að búa til góða lust. Þannig að við erum svolítið lánsum í því að við erum bæði með öflugar sérfræðinga í hugbúnaði og líka sérfræðinga í vélbúnaði og sama hvað þú ber niður hvort það er í bókaldskerfunum okkar eða vöruhúsakerfum eða sölukerfum eða afhendingu á búnaði eða vörum til neytenda samanber click and collect lausninnar okkar og útkeyslulausninnar og allt þetta allt saman spilar þetta saman í að afhenda mjög góða lausninn eða heilsteifta upplifun þannig að mér finnst rosalega gaman að vinna með öllu þessum sem fræðingum Já, ég er mitt, efast ekki um það, mér finnst mitt mjög gaman að vera vinna á svona frjóum vinnustað sem margt að gerast. Og eitt sem er fast svolítið skemmtilegt að hlusta á þetta spjall hjá þér, Alex og Míu, er að þú er mitt spurðir Mæju og ég ætla að reyna að kvóta þig How do we get staff to adopt and love new technology? Það var eitthvað þannig og mér fannst það svo flott að því að fólk hugsar oft ekki svona heildrænt og ég heyri að þú ert að hugsa mjög heildrænt um sko tæknina en líka áhrif tæknirnar á fólkið, svona alveg 360 gráður. Svona að það skiptir svo miklu máli hvernig fólk mun nota tæknina. Geturðu tala eitthvað um svona hvernig þið hugsið þetta? Já, algjörlega. Mjög gott dæmi um þetta er sjálfsafgræðsla. Fyrstu tilraunum í sjálfsafgræðsla á Íslandi voru árið 2006. Þær eiginlega náðu ekki flugi af því að innleiðingarferlið var bara ekki nógu gott og við vorum ekki að passa upp á alla vegferðina. Bæði vegferð notendana, sem sagt viðskiptavinna, sem og starfsmanna. Þannig að innleiðingin hún skiptir alltaf rosalega miklu máli þegar þú komið nýja tækni hvernig ætlar að spila leikinn með bæði starfsmönnum og viðskiptavinum. Þannig að ef menn klikka á því að hugsa um það, þá er jafnvel betur heimasetið. 
Það er alveg rétt. Þannig að fyrst þú ert búin að pæla lengi í tækninni, búin að vinna lengi við hana, þannig að mér finnst ég geta spurt þig um smáið spár fram í tíman. En ef þú hugsar ekkert alltaf langt fram í tíman, kannski bara tíu ár, hvernig heldurðu að verslun verði og upplifun fólks? Hva, hvaða, svona, hvernig heldurðu þetta muni breytast kannski á næstu árum? Já, við höfum verið í pínu tæknisskuld, finnst mér og verið sein tilbreytinga hins vegar síðastliðin tvö ár hafa kannski sýnt okkur alveg svart á hvítu að við verðum að vera sneggri í að alla okkur að breytu umhverfi þannig að þeir sem ætla ná forskoti í samkefni þeir þurfa að passa sig að vera aftodeit í tækni og þóra að prófa taka ákveðin skrif í því ég held að við munum örugglega sjá það sem við köllum frictionless shopping hversu langt er í það við fáum það frictionless shopping þýði þá þetta svipa koncept eins og við erum í Amazon Go eða svo les að maður geti gengið bara inn og tekið vörunar og sett í korfi og labbað út eða bara beint í innkaupabókan sinn og síðan labbað út og greiðslur og allt er tengt. Þannig að við munum örugglega sjá mikla breytingar en eins og oft með breytingar maður jafnvel sér það ekki fyrir. Þannig að horfa tíu ár fram í tíman Nei, ég þorði ekki. Nei, ég skilli. Þú ert að tala um svona þóra prófa. Mér þetta er svolítið skemmtilegt að því að þetta er svo bara svo rétt að einstaklingar sem og fyrirtæki, ef að þeir leggja á sig og þóra prófa, þá er uppskerun oft svo góð. Hvað myndirðu mæla með? Þóra prófa hvað til dæmis? Hvað myndi lítil verslun í dag? Þóra prófa. Já, þetta er, þetta er nefnilega skemmtilegt að okkar byrgjar og ég, nú er ég með fjöldan allarna byrgjum í samstarfi og þeir hafa mjög oft svona pilot verkefnis möguleika þannig að maður getur sótt um pilot verkefni fyrir búðir og fyrirtæki til að prófa tækni bara til að sanna það að þetta sé hentugt fyrir viðkomandi Mart sniðugt í því er meðal annars og við erum að keira pilot verkefni með rafrænum hillumiðum við höfum verið að keira pilot verkefni með RFID sem er Radio Frequency Identification og það er í tískubransanum og, og við höfum verið að sjá að, að þetta er ekki eins erfitt eins og fólk heldur fólk er oft búið að mikla þetta sé svo fyrir sér þetta sé svo dýr, þetta sé svo erfitt þetta sé svo flókið en þegar menn virkilega setast niður og fara að skoða þetta þá er þetta ekki svona erfitt þetta er ekki óyfirstíðanlegt og um, return on investment í þessu er yfirleitt styttra heldur menn halda Áhugavert, hvernig myndru benda fólki sem langar að prófa svona pilot verkefni til þess í rafrænum hellum með hvernig myndru benda þeim að byrja það? Ja, bara hafa samband við okkur í sölvdeildinni eða sem sagt afgreiðslulausnum og, og við myndum alltaf setast niður með þeim og fara yfir lausnina frá atilu og síðan stilla upp prógrammi hvernig má keira pilot verkefni með viðkomandi. Frábært. Það hljómar reynda rosalega vel ef við varum með verslun í dag og myndi örglega prófa rafrænum hellum með. Eitt sem að þeir rættum sem að mér fannst mjög skemmtilega að heyra því ég tek eftir þessu bara sem neitandi er hvernig verslun er að breytast í dag með aukinu meðvitund neitanda neitandur er miklu kröfuharðari vandlátari og verslun er ekki lengur hérna, bara það að finna vöru og kaupana heldur þetta er heldur upplifunin eins og við erum að ræðum og líka þetta er svona eiginlega lífstíl eiginlega, þú veist, við hvað fyrirtæki þú verslar það er svolítið segjum um þinn lífstíl og við fannst eiginlega bara svo áhugavert er rétt svo snert á þessu þú með eitthvað komment á og þetta er hvernig þetta mun lít út og þróast frekar Ja, við sjáum náttúrulega einmitt, þetta er alveg frábær nálgun hjá þeir lífstíll og hvernig lífstíll fólks hefur breyst rosalega mikið. Við sjáum lífstíl í hreyfingu, við sjáum lífstíl í mataræði, lífstíl í útivist og tísku og það er svo ótrúlega margt sem að fólk er að dunda sig við í dag. 
Og ef maður spóla tilbaka bara 60 ár og segja, hvað voru Íslendingar að dunda sig við fyrir 60 árum? Voru þeir mikið út að hjóla og hérna, reyserhjólum í, í spandex? Nei, þeir voru ekki mikið í því. Þannig að afþreying Íslendinga hefur breyst og þar alveg lífstýllin rosalega mikið. Og ég held þetta sé alveg hárréttjaðir með þetta að við verðum svolítið svona brandlojal og líka svona lojal við okkar lífstíl. Við erum til í að leggja mikið á okkur til að, að hérna, halda honum, láta hann ganga upp og við sjáum það bara hvernig fólk er í, með umhverfisvend, hvernig rafbílavæðingin verður og allt þetta. Við erum bara á ótrúlega spennandi tím. Það er svo margt sem að er að breytast og það breytist ótrúlega hratt. Og það er eiginlega það sem ég er svolítið glaður að sjá miðað við sko hvað tók rosalega langan tíma að komast hingað þá finnst mér eins og að það sé miklu styttra í, í stærri breytingar. Já, ég er alveg samanlega, ótrúlega spennandi og svo margt sem er hægt að gera, mörg tækifæri sem hægt að grípa að því að það er rétt hjá þér. Við erum miklu meira lojala eins og segir, nú sleppum við, hérna, hvað kallum við þetta íslensku tryggð, við erum mm-hmm. tryggari verslunum sem að við, nú kemur önnur slett að fílum, veist, mm-hmm. við trúum og treystum á það og margt sem er hægt að gera með gögnum og stafarunum lausnum sem varðar gegnsægi og umhverfisvernd og já, alveg niður alla aðfangakeðjuna. Já, hópar sem að hafa sama áhugamáli, ég meina við sjáum bara hvað Facebook hefur gert fyrir slíka hópa, umræðunar og allt þetta og núna geturðu svo auðvitlega búið til þinn eigin hóp eða samfélag utan um þín áhugamál að það auðveldar allt í kringum það og við sjáum að það hafa sprottu upp alls konar verslani sem eru bara í kringum svona áhugamál Íslendinga. Já, takk kjærlega fyrir þetta. Við ætlum að segja þetta gott í bili. Og við hlökkum til að sjá ykkur sem er að hlusta á vefvarpinu 20. mæ. Vefvarpið hennar Mayu Night heitir Omni Channel Retail, vinningsformulan í stafranum heimi. Þá fáum við að heyra ennþá betur frá Mayu, þar sem hún kafa ennþá dýbra í þessu áhugaverðu efni. Skráning fer fram á órugáupunktiris undir vefvarp og við ætlum einnig að setja hlekkin hér í lýsinguna. En takk aftur kærlega fyrir Sigurjón. Ef að þið viljið nálgast meiri upplýsingar um lausnindar sem er í bóði, hvernig getur fólk nálgast? Ykkur. Já, okkar er náttúrulega frábæri uppspretta og líka vefvæðslunin okkar en ef að þið farið inn á heimasíðun okkar þá getið alltaf fundið okkur undir lausnir og þar undir afgræðslunlausnir og þar meðal annars geta menn smelti jafnvel bara beint á eins og snjallskápa ef menn hafa áhuga á því við höfum fengið mikið af fyrirspurnum undarfærið um það fólk er einmitt að reyna að leysa afhendingarvandamál og vill geta farið í sjálfvirkni. Sjálfvirkni er bara inn, við viljum hafa sjálfvirkni og við sjáum snjallskápa í mjög mismöndi hlutverkum alveg frá því að afhenda hluti, skila hlutum fram og tilbaka, jafnvel bara stór fyrirtæki afhenda vörur innanhús bara til starfsmanna þannig að snjallskápar koma mjög víða við og nýjasta viðbótin í því sem að getur orðið spennandi hér á Íslandi eru snjallskápar til að afhenda mat tilbúna rétti þannig að það verður gaman að koma því á kortið. Já, ótrúlega áhugavert. Þá bara segi þetta gott í dag og ég mun einnig setja link inn á afgreiðslulausnir þar sem þið getur fræðist meira um snjallskápuna sem að Sigurjón var að tala um, rafræna hillumiða, RFID og allt sem er í bóði. Takk kjærlega fyrir, við sjáum snæst. Takk sem leiðis.